Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. As usual, I'm Dan from 5-1-VB.com. And today we're going to be talking about Champions League, the matches that just happened, as well as previewing the finals matchup, which we now know for both genders. We'll do a bit of news too, but you get the idea of the podcast. It's going to be mainly focused on Champions League. Just want to thank everyone who listened and downloaded to that Tuesday hybrid mailbag pro recap episode. It got a lot of listens, a lot of downloads, got some great messages and comments from some of you. So I love the support, guys. Keep it up because I love doing this podcast and providing you guys with great volleyball coverage and great volleyball content. So before I dive into the Champions League stuff, let's go over a couple very small pieces of news. The first is that Skrab Beltatov seems to have their starting outside hitter for next season. Not a guy that I expected, but not a bad signing, and that's Dusan Pikovic, the Serbian opposite hitter who played for Sora in the Italian league this season. Some of you may not know his name. He's not a big international star because Serbia already has Alexander Atanasjevic and Drazen Lubric, two elite opposites. So there's not really a lot of room for more opposites on the Serbian roster, so you don't see him at Nations League and in the World Championships and stuff. But he is a very good player, led the entire Italian league in scoring this season. I believe he actually might have set the all-time record for a single season in scoring, I believe with 590 points. So the guy can score the ball for sure. He's a great athlete, huge jumper. He's a little undersized for an opposite, I think, at like 6'5", 6'6". Not really that undersized, but he can jump, hit the ball really well. Good signing for Scraw, don't get me wrong, but I do have a couple issues with it. One, Dusan Pekovic scored a lot for Sora, but he also got set a lot, getting set like 10 times per set at times. They relied on him for pretty much the entire offense, so he didn't really score with that much efficiency. He's at a 46 kill percentage, and his efficiency is pretty bad too. He got blocked 122 times on the season, which to put in perspective, I think Wilfredo Leon scored about 100 less points, but only got blocked about a quarter as many times. So good player, good athlete, can definitely score the ball, but he really goes for it every single time, which leads him hitting into the block a lot. It gave opposing left sides a lot of their blocking stats for the season. So we'll see. I don't think he's the guy to really move the needle for Scraw. I don't know what he's going to give you. I know a lot of fans are hyped about him because they see the scoring numbers. They see he's a very physical, athletic player. But as someone who's actually probably one of the few people who have actually watched a decent amount of Sora games over the last couple of years, I'm just I'm just not convinced that Dusan Pekovic is an elite starting opposite on a good team. Probably better than Rene Tapan, though. And Scraw's going to need something for their opposite because we saw this year Marius Vlajli is really starting to rapidly decline. Can still block well, can still serve well, but the attacking is nowhere near where it used to be, especially on out-of-system balls. That's our only major transfer news. A bit of a playoff update from Germany. The Alpenvolleys beat Berlin 3-1, which may be a surprise to you if you haven't been following the Bundesliga. But Berlin hasn't really had the traditionally dominant season that they usually have in the Bundesliga. The roster didn't really materialize like they wanted to. They've been a lot better since Sergei Grankin, surprisingly enough, came from Russia to go play for them midway through the season. But they're still... Barely made it through, I believe it was Duran in the quarterfinals and are struggling against the Alpenvolleys, who have a very good team this year. 
Grail Kletz, I believe I went over him on my Top Prospects podcast, which you guys can go back and listen to if you want. But he's a guy to watch out for. He's doing a really good job scoring the ball for the Alpen Volleys. And then on the other side of the bracket, Friedrich Schaffen defeated Lewenberg 3-0. A little sad for me because there's a few Canadians on Lewenberg. They're basically like a Canadian team playing club overseas. But, you know, Friedrich Schaffen, you pretty much can't make any execution errors against them or they will take advantage and score it right back on you. That's it for news today. Kept it under five minutes for you guys so we can get right into the stuff I know you want to listen to, which is the Champions League. We've got our two finalists on both the men's and the women's side on the men's. We have a fantastic rematch of last year's legendary finals game between Zenit Kazan and Cucine Lube Civitanova. And on the women's side, we have an all-Italian affair. That's right. There's no team from Istanbul in the Women's Champions League Finals. And the two teams participating are Imoco and Novara. So a couple of really exciting matchups. I mean, I don't love seeing teams from the same league play each other in the Champions League Finals. So it is a bit disappointing to see, you know, two teams from the Italian League. But at the same time, the last few years have seemed to be the Turkish volleyball show. So I'm, you know, we haven't seen an Italian winner since 2015-2016, so... It'll be nice to see Italy regain the crown. So I'm just going to talk a bit about how the teams got there. We had our last matches of the semifinals, the away phase, on yesterday, on Wednesday, April 10th. The first game of the day is the one I think most people were really looking forward to on the men's side between Zenikazan and Sir Safety Perugia. Zenikazan narrowly managed to get the 3-2 win in Perugia's home court when they first met a couple weeks ago. And I think a lot of people were expecting Perugia to play their tightest, best volleyball. They needed a 3-2 win to force a golden set or a 3-1 or 3-0 win to get it outright. To everyone's surprise, they actually did neither one of those, losing 3-1 to Zenit Kazan, the team that has won the last four Champions Leagues in a row. And obviously the best storyline of this match was Wilfredo Leon, who is Zenikazan's one of their most legendary players, the guy who really carried a lot of the load for Zenikazan during their multiple title runs. Of course, as you know, he switched teams to uh, Sir Safety Perugia, now playing for them. He had a pretty good first match in terms of attacking, 25 for 44, got blocked a few times and made a few errors. We didn't see him absolutely crushing the single blocks and the double blocks like he usually does. And then also, surprisingly, no aces from Wilfredo Leon. And then in yesterday's game, two aces at least this time, but only 15 for 32 attacking and 10 service errors out of 19 total serves. So it seems like, as it turns out, the best way to counteract the best server in volleyball is to pass against him every day in practice for four years. They seem to have it figured out. You know, obviously no one's going to pass Wilfredo Leon serves perfectly, when he's actually hitting it in the court. But honestly, Zenikazan is good enough as a team that the out-of-system balls are probably just about as good as in-system balls for a lot of lesser-tier teams. Matt Anderson had a really good game in this one. 12 for 19, 63% hitting. Passed really, really well. It's funny that a guy who plays opposite for Team USA is consistently one of the best outside passers in the world, but hey, he's an extremely talented individual. 
I know he prefers playing opposite. He probably does hit a bit better from opposite, but got to give it to a guy who plays opposite and can pass the ball as well. What a, just very skilled. Alexei Verbov also had a really good passing game. It's going to be interesting next year Zenik is on without Alexei Verbov because he is such an important part of this absolutely devastating passing line that seems to be like impenetrable. Like Servers cannot get past these guys in the Russian League and in the Champions League this season. Tough break for Service Safety Perugia too. I remember on the Tuesday podcast, someone asked me if it, the season was a failure if they didn't win the Champions League. And I said it wouldn't be, but I think getting bounced in the f- semifinals by Zenikazan for the second year in a row, by the way, this happened the exact same way last year. I think that's got to be really tough. I don't think they're going to make any major shakeups this summer because I do think the talent on this team is more than capable of winning a Champions League title. But, you know, Leon's going to be stressing out because he, he had won four titles in a row. So tough to go from that to third place. They were going right at Leon with the serves, though. He has to do better himself, only passing 9% perfect balls on 22 attempts, which was definitely worse than anyone else on his team. They did try and cover for him as much as possible, but it wasn't quite enough. It'll be interesting to see if he plays out the rest of his career at opposite. I think it's a little too early to force him to change positions, but it seems like in Zenikazan, his lack of passing for a player of his caliber was kind of masked because he had Verbov and Matt Anderson playing beside him, two amazing passers, and I think it might be getting a little bit more exposed here in Perugia. Also, Filippo Lanza got subbed out about halfway through this game for Alexander Berger in Serbia middle Marko Podrashinin. Well, he didn't have a bad game, 11 for 17 hitting. Didn't have any blocks though, and he did look pretty tired out there. Wasn't really serving that well, given a lot of kind of easy lollipop serves. A lot of people are saying, hey, Lanz is not playing well. Podrashinin, definitely not a bad player, but maybe starting to leave his prime a bit. Why don't we get a, another foreign outside in here and get a, an Italian middle to play instead of Podrashinin. I think there's a little bit of merit to those arguments. I mean, I've been very critical of Lanz in the past. I think he is a pretty overrated player, but I think on paper he actually was a really good fit next to Leon. Good passer, good defender that can cover a lot of the court, especially on float serves for Leon, so he doesn't have to pass quite as much. Not an offensive powerhouse, but between Atanasevich and Wilfredo Leon, you didn't really need your third wing hitter to have a huge arm. The issue is, who are you going to pick in his place? If you want another foreign outside hitter, you need someone who's going to be a good passer, especially on those float serves that Leon struggles with. And if you're going through all this hassle of replacing Lanza, you probably want someone who's a bit better server and attacker as him. Not a lot of guys with all those qualities wrapped up together. Just off the top of my head, a few players who I think might be able to fit the bill and be worth actually going out and pursuing. Maybe one of the French outside hitters in Trevor Cleveneau, Julian Lineal, Thibaut Rossard. All good passers, all good technical players who can actually serve pretty well, at least in Rossard and Lineal's case, and also hit a lot better than Lanza. Or you could go for a Canadian outside hitter, Gord Perrin, probably the best player out of all those guys who is currently playing in Belgorod. If you play your cards right, I think you could actually save money as Perugia by doing this move. And you actually already have pretty good Italian middles in Fabio Ricci, who is starting for most of the year. But remember, they also have 
junior national junior Italian national team star Gianluca Galassi, who we saw actually started last year a lot of the time in Milano. He, you know, I think he's starting caliber in the Italian Super League. Maybe not as good as a lot of the other middle rotations in the league and in the Champions League. But if you had Perrin, Wilfredo Leon, and Atanastrovich as your wings, don't think you need to worry about middles quite as much. Anyway, that's enough about Perugia. They're out of the Champions League. They're going up against Monza, actually, in a tie-break game on Saturday. So that will be a must-watch volleyball match. Fully expect Perugia to win. But if they lose in the semifinals of the Champions League and then lose in the quarterfinals of the Italian Scudetto, then everything I said about not changing their team that much probably can throw that in the trash because they're going to have to look at themselves in the mirror pretty carefully and look at their team construction. The other side of the bracket was not nearly as interesting as that one. It was just a complete blowout by Cucine Lube Civitanova over PG Skra Belshatov. Lube didn't even drop a single set to Skra in these two matches. Came close a couple times, but really, I don't think anyone was expecting Skra to come back in Chivitanova Marche in the Eurosola Forum against Lube in the second game, and, and they didn't. I actually think this is one of the most lopsided games I've seen, especially in terms of hitting percentage. Lube Chivitanova hit 70% in this game. Thanks to a couple of crazy stat lines, Juan Terena hitting 12 for 13 for 92%, and also Dragon Stankovic hitting 8 for 8 for 100% hitting. Not bad, eh? Meanwhile, on the other side of the net, Belchatov only hit 47%, including 7 for 16 from Abadapur, 4 for 10 from Milan Kadic, and only one point, two, sorry, two points for our wonder kid, Jakub Kohanovsky. I think people have been underestimating Lubicic Danova a little bit this season, just because they did struggle, I guess, a bit at the beginning of the season, even though they've still done well. They came second at the Club World Championships. They came in second place in the Italian League regular season, and they're going to be in the finals of the Champions League. Just because, you know, we've been there, done that with Lube. They've lost in the finals of the Champions League. They lost in the Club World Championships. They lost last year in the finals of the Italian League. They lost last year in the finals of the Champions League. So I think the mindset among a lot of non-Lube supporters is that, you know, they're just going to get to the Champions League finals and they're going to lose in the finals like they always do. But I would not write this team off at all. They're a different team than last year. Yes, I guess they lost in the finals of the Club World Championships. But think about how different this team is. No Taylor Sander, no Micah Christensen, no Candelaro, and no Grabenikov. And of course, we have Leal, we have Robert Landy Simon, we have Bruno, and of course, the most important piece, we have Stin Duelst, who of course was the protagonist of that epic comeback for Lube Givzanova in the semifinals of the Club World Championships against Zenit Kazan, where they came back from nine down 9-14 in the fifth set saved eight match points and ended up winning the match. And okay, that's, let's move on to the preview of the finals between Lube Civitanova and Zenit Kazan because if it's anything like the last couple times these teams have played each other, it is going to be absolutely bonkers. So let's talk about that Club World Championships match that I just talked about because that's the one that happened this year. Lube Civitanova ended up winning 3-2 to two, and there's a couple of takeaways, I think, we can uh, get from this game. 
The first is that the Lube middles absolutely killed Kazan. Robert Landy Simon was 13 for 15 and was especially effective with duelist at the end where he was just pretty much unstoppable by any of Zenikazan's blockers. As much as I love Chester and Enrico Diamantini, being able to play Stankovic because there's no Italian player limit is actually improves this Lube team a lot. In that game, he had eight points in two blocks. So also really effective. Fulvich and Samolenko are not scrubs by any means, but I think they will have to give a lot more attention to Lube Civitanova's middles than they did to Perugia. And you know in volleyball, even 0.1 of a second of hesitation from the middle blocker can open up so much court for the wing hitters attacking. Matt Anderson also struggled in this game, only 8 for 29, hitting against Svetan Sokolov, the best opposite blocker in men's volleyball right now. Tough assignment for him, but you do remember he did struggle a lot to start the Russian season in the Club World Championships, but also in the Russian Super League. I think he looks a lot better now. So I'm not sure if we can rely on that performance again. As you know, he played well in the semifinals versus Perugia. So I don't know if Lube Civitanova can rely on a t- bad performance by Matt Anderson again. But he's definitely going to have a tougher ask going up against Sokolov than he was against Atanasijevic. And on the other side of the net, Sokolov also had a big offensive performance himself with 20 points on 18 for 32 hitting. One of the main reasons Kazan was able to go up 14-9 in the fifth set and become a hair away from winning the match is their serving. Angapet had three aces. Matt Anderson had four aces. Mikhailov, Sermachevsky, and Buko all added an ace of their own. We've seen Lube struggle with passing a lot of times. That's kind of been their weakness. Belasso, not the strongest libero passer. Liao obviously is a lost cause on passing most of the time. And then Juan Torreina has his good days and his bad days. Usually more good days than bad, but we've seen him struggle in several games this season. So I think Zenit Kazan's serving could be a really tough problem for Lube. We saw Perugia struggle with it a lot. And while I think Lube is a slightly better receiving team than Perugia, Kazan, they they, they take almost every team out of it with their serve. Engapet's been on a tear recently, has done really well in the Champions League at the end and also in the Russian League, so... It'll be really tough for Lube. They need to pass well if they want to win. And the other past matchup between Zenikazan and Lube Civitanova that I want to talk about is the Champions League final last year that Zenikazan won in five sets. Probably one of the best volleyball games that I've ever watched. Absolutely epic match. Probably going to watch it again in its entirety before the CEV Champions League finals. Teams looked a little different than they do now, mainly Lubitschivtanova, who had Taylor Sander, Micah Christensen, and Grabenikov, three huge players that they do not have anymore. And then for Zenikazan, actually, mostly the same team, except for, of course, Wilfredo Leon for Irvin Angapet swap. So I think we remember the main player for Lubitschivtanova in this match was, of course, Sokolov, like he was in the Club World Championships, but also Dragon Stankovic with an iconic game, 13 for 20 hitting, and six blocks, a lot of them on former Zenikazan member Wilfredo Leon. Stankovic, I think, has looked a little slower, a little older this year than he has last year. Quit the national team. He's had a few good games here and there, but nothing like this. But I remember we were also thinking the same thing last year, that 
you know, Stankovic will be an important piece and better than the Italian middle that they might trot out. But he's not the Stankovic, you know, that is the absolute legend that we used to know. But he proved it wrong last year in the Champions League. Maybe he's just saving up for this year in the Champions League as well. Maybe he's just kind of flying under the radar and he's like, okay, now we're on the big stage. Now it's time to shine. Let's go. On the other side of the net, Wilfredo Leon was the highest scorer for Zenit Kazan, if you remember, in that game. 32 points on a nice 26 for 46 hitting. Slightly higher set load than Mikhailov's 45 sets, which were both almost double Matt Anderson's 20 sets. I have a feeling we'll see the set distribution be a little bit different this year. Matt Anderson with more. Irvin Engapet, we always know, gets a ton of sets. I think Mikhailov has been getting a slightly less set low this year. Anyway, Wilfredo Leon was the leading scorer. Four aces, which is pretty good, but I don't doubt that Engapet has a good chance of matching that in the finals this year. But other than that, the Zanikazan team is exactly the same with Anderson, Volvic, Samilenko, Verbov, and Mikhailov filling out the rest of the roster. Last year's final four took place in Kazan, so Zenit Kazan had obviously the advantage of a pretty loud and passionate home crowd, as well as not having to travel, which I think is a big deal because Kazan is really out of the way. Even from Italy, it's like a six, seven hour flight, kind of in the Russian hinterlands. So they will not have that advantage this year. The game is taking place in the neutral arena in Berlin, and I feel like, I don't know who who will have more supporters this year. I, I imagine it'll be Lube Civitanova. Although Zenit Kazan is a team and a brand that travels well, just because they've been so dominant for so long. They have fans all over the place, but I guess so does Lube. So if I had to boil down this matchup into three points, the three things I would focus on. First, can Lube pass Zenit Kazan serves? Lube is an amazing, amazing team with a fantastic in-system offense if they can actually get the ball to position three and be able to set Robert Landy Simon and Dragon Stankovic I think they have a more than okay chance of beating Zenit Kazan the question if Leal Belasso and Juan Torreira are the passing lineup that can get the job done we may see a bit of Jiri Kovar into pass he's definitely a better passer than Leal we've seen that a lot this year we may see Masari come into pass too We've seen Leal with a short leash because he does struggle with the passing a lot. See how that works. If they can if they can pass above 25%, I think it'll be like a guaranteed victory for Lube. Anything below that, we'll have to see. Between 20 and 25%, I think they have a good shot below that. Denik is on victory. The other thing is we've seen these teams. They, they don't really like each other. In the Club World Championships, we have obviously had a few controversial calls at the end. Engapet really getting up in the ref's face I'm, I'm actually surprised people haven't talked about that more that was a very aggressive display that people seem to have just kind of forgotten about now so we'll, we'll see but yeah obviously Engapet on uh, Zenit Kazan for Bob we saw get into that and on the other side of the net Juan Torreina is famous for getting a little chippy and Bruno can be really talkative and aggressive at other times so there's some bad blood between these two teams nothing obviously nothing too serious and Engapet and Bruno are actually best of friends off the court but we'll see I, I do not envy the job of the ref who has to do this match because he will certainly or she will certainly be getting an earful during during this matchup and then the third thing I want to talk about is Zeneca Zahn's out of system balls obviously they're really talented really skilled hitters but 
from watching Zeneca Zahn quite a lot over the last season, I do think they get a little lucky with just touches and out-of-system balls. Obviously, they're aiming for fingertips, aiming for pinkies, aiming for thumbs, but they really seem to have a lot of challenge calls go their way where the ball will just barely graze off a blocker's finger. And obviously, Engapet, he's a genius at doing that. Mikhailov and Anderson are both really good at aiming for the tips of fingers as well. But I think if they have a match where maybe they miss a couple of those and then they get they freeze up, don't know what to do in out-of-system balls. And Louis is a very good serving team, so they're certainly going to get a lot of out-of-system balls. I think we saw this happen a bit in their matchup with Gdansk, which how funny is it that they almost lost to Gdansk? And now we're talking about them probably beating Lubitsch Ivanova and getting the Champions League crown. Funny how volleyball works like that. Maybe Lubitsch Ivanova needs to sign Machi Muzai for next season. But anyway, I think if Seneca Zahn misses some of those challenge calls, doesn't get those little touches that they rely on so much for points, you know, they freeze up. They don't know what to do. They set Angapet, he'll hit into the net or do something weird. And then I think you could see Luigi Vizanova getting the victory that way. But I think in a standard game of volleyball where both sides play to their normal ability, I would give Zeneca Zahn the slight favorite here in the matchup against Luigi Vizanova. No, it's a safe bet considering they've won the last four and they just beat Perugia, who is a much harder opponent than Skrab Belchatov. But that's what I'm going with for now. However... We still have over a month before the finals. They are taking place on March 18th. So plenty of time to talk about it and think about it before. We've got a lot of Italian league playoffs. We've got a lot of Polish league playoffs. So there's a lot going on in between. It's too bad, though. I hope the hype doesn't die down for the Champions League finals. I hope it just builds to that point. But with it being like 40 days away, we're going to have to try really hard to keep the hype alive for this matchup. And then on the women's side of the bracket we've got two italian teams imoko and novera facing off paula iganu has got to be like one of the best players to watch in volleyball right now 39 points in this absolutely epic epic match that took place in istanbul on wednesday just she's so good she it doesn't matter if there's a big double block put up she goes over it she goes around it Really good player to watch. So young. Going to be a superstar of women's volleyball for years to come. And I'm looking forward to seeing her in the finals. But how about Navara? They won the first matchup pretty easily. 3-0, which a lot of people were surprised by. Didn't think they would get Vafik Bank in Stempul, who is an extremely strong team in their own right. Obviously, Zhu Ting, Kelsey Robinson, Sloches, Rasic. Super, super stacked team. We saw them win last year, so we know how good they are. But Navara didn't do too well to start this one out, even on their home court, losing the first couple of sets. Winning the third set, 25-15, somehow. They they really came on strong in that third set and losing the fourth set, 25-21. And then that golden set has to be one of the best golden sets I've ever seen. I think Michelle Barsh put it really well when she said this is the first golden set I've ever played and hopefully the last one because that was such a nail biter it was really intense Instabool started off 5-2 I was like okay experienced team they're not gonna let this or Navara come back they're just gonna close the vice grip squeeze the life out of Navara and we're gonna have a classic another Vafik Bank Instabool Champions League victory but no 
Navarra showed a lot of fight with two blocks, an ace, and some really clutch hitting by Aganu in that golden set to get the victory, upset Vathic Bank in Simple, and make their way to the finals. On the other side of the bracket, Imoko actually took care of Fenerbahce way better than I thought. It was an absolute destruction by them. Both games were 3-0. Not, honestly, not really the result I expected, but 13 blocks for Imoko, including 6 by Anna Denesi. Yeah, tough to compete with that. We'll see how Iganu deals with these blockers from Congeniano. Be interesting to see. Looking forward to that one. Also have to wait a while for that happening that same weekend in May. So about 40 days till we get to see the women's matchup as well. I'd like to know what you guys think about having the finals both on the same weekend in the same place. I've heard definitely more complaints than congratulations so far. But if there's any of you who think this is a really good idea, especially I'd like to hear from you and what your reasoning is. Personally, I'm not the biggest fan. I think as much as we would like it, there's not a ton of overlap in between fans of men's volleyball and women's volleyball. So people are generally going all the way to Berlin to watch one match they really want to watch and then maybe another match that they're not quite as interested in. Although both games, I believe, have sold out. So not a problem selling the tickets. Berlin, I love that arena. It's a really good place to host volleyball. I'm sure they'll do a fantastic job. And I'm sure there's a lot of benefits from having both genders play at the same time. And also we got an extra semifinals match, which while this year it wasn't super interesting, there weren't, other than the Novara versus Thothic Bank matches, there weren't any other golden sets. But it was cool to have an extra match of semis, but it was also cool to have the semis and the finals all happening on one weekend, kind of really kept the momentum going and the interest going. I was actually working the games yesterday for the CV doing graphics, we put a ton of graphics out between the Instagram stories, the Twitter stuff, the Facebook stuff, just constantly, you know, oh my God, there's a golden set going on in Novara. We have to like concentrate on that. And then, oh, we have to do qualification graphics for all these teams. So if you guys don't follow the Champions League Twitter accounts, Champions League Instagram, I actually highly recommend you do that because it gives you like really quick live updates, some cool graphics, you know, just get all the information from the Champions League, easily digestible form going to be doing the same thing for euro volley this summer so that's going to be it from me today i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast love talking about champions league it was such an amazing season only a month more till the finals and we're over but i'm sure it'll be worth the wait it'll be really fun remember to check out my youtube channel 5-1 volleyball check out that best players of the polish season if you haven't already Hoping to meet up with Volleyball Source to do a podcast tomorrow. We have not done one of those in a while, so hopefully we can sit down. It'll be more of a casual, drawn-out podcast than the ones I do myself, but I know some of you like that, so you can possibly look forward to that, especially if you're one of my Canadian fans. We usually end up talking a decent amount of Canada volleyball. After that, this Saturday is shaping up to be one of the best volleyball weekends of the year. We have... Italian league playoffs, we have Polish league playoffs, we have German playoffs, we have Brazilian playoffs, I think we have French playoffs too, we have like every volleyball league in the world playing all at once, and also we have NBA playoffs starting, so for basketball fans, 
that is an exciting day as well. Looking forward to it. Hope you guys have a great weekend. If I don't talk to you tomorrow on the Volleyball Source podcast, and I will be back next Monday with recapping all those exciting matches that I'm sure are going to happen this weekend. Thanks.